0: Well, it's an exciting day uh, here at Redeeming Grace. Um, we have opportunity this morning, it's somewhat of a special day, as we have opportunity to uh, to install or ordain two men into our elder ministry. Uh, if you don't know what ordination means, or if that's a strange word to you, or installation, if that sounds like installing a speaker system at home or something like that, that's not what we're talking about. It simply means that we are setting two men apart. We're formally recognizing two men Uh, This morning as a congregation to serve our church as under shepherds, as elders in our congregation. Um, I have had the privilege of walking through two ordinations in my past at the early age of 22. Back in 2000, I was ordained into the deacon ministry. Uh, I don't know if that was a wise choice on my local church's part or not, but that's what they did. They recognized me in the deacon ministry. And then four years later, at age 26, I was ordained into pastoral ministry. Uh, That might have even been uh, more of an unwise uh, process in my local church. But by God's grace, uh, I I had the privilege to walk through these opportunities to be set apart for a particular role in the local church. And it was certainly a blessing to me, and I know that for these two men, for Dave Morris and Trey Mangan this morning, we certainly are excited to see these two brothers serve our congregation in in the role of an elder as they come alongside of me and others in the future to help shepherd this church. Uh, It's a blessing. It's a privilege. It's a gift that God has given us. Uh, I have already seen the benefit just in the four weeks of our existence as a church. Uh, the benefit that these brothers have brought to helping care for our congregation. And I know that you will see that and benefit from that in the future as well. Um, as we consider, I want, to, I want you to go to Acts chapter 20. That's our text for the day. Acts chapter 20. We'll be looking at verses 28 down to verse uh, 38. Acts chapter 20 Actually, I'm just going to read to verse 35, but this is, this is our text for uh, today. This is Paul speaking to the elders at Ephesus, to the Ephesian elders. He's encouraging and exhorting the spiritual leaders at the church at Ephesus here in Acts chapter 20. And this is what he says. He's, he's, enc- he's encouraging them. He's referred to his own life and his own uh, ministry as an example to them. And then in verse 28, this is what he says. Pay careful attention to yourselves. "'Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. "'And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, "'which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. "'I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel. "'You yourselves know that these hands have ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. "'In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, "'we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus.'" how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is God's word, and these were the words of the Apostle Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit as he instructed the elders at Ephesus. And I want us today to to hear from this account, to hear from this, this, this text as we consider the role of an elder. And most of you just now just we're tempted to check out. Oh, this is a message for two men this morning, right? Uh, not so fast. Uh, this is a message for the church. You need to understand exactly what you, as a church, are calling these men to. How to pray for these brothers? How to encourage these brothers? How to follow their leadership? How to come around them? How how the body of Christ ought to exist together as the people of God, recognizing that we have recognized leaders and 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 those set apart to do ministry to equip the saints for the work of ministry, but. Brothers and sisters, this is a message we all need to hear, and you will see why it's important for us all to understand exactly what Paul is saying today. And so, yes, while we are directing our attention to setting apart two men and to elder ministry today, know that we are doing so as a congregation, as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and as brothers and sisters together. And so this word in Acts 20 is a word for all of us to hear and to receive and to be transformed by, by the grace of God. We know that in Titus, or excuse me, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, there Paul gives some clear instructions as to who it is that ought to be considered in this office of elder. And we know that the word elder and overseer and pastor are terms that are used interchangeably in Scripture. This is what the word says there in 1 Timothy chapter 3 concerning the qualifications for overseers. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Paul's clear there. We we also see in Titus chapter 1, uh, qualifications similar to to what we see in Timothy chapter 3, of, of who it is that we call to serve the body of Christ in this capacity oftentimes we are quick to to point to experience or giftedness and we need to recognize those things but most clearly set apart in scripture is the character of a man who is to serve in an overseer's role or a role of an elder we understand that we've talked about that in recent months about who it is that we call to these roles and responsibilities but I want us to focus this morning on what exactly these brothers are called to do what, what are we expecting of these men who we call to serve the church as, as an elder? And I think you see uh, that instruction in Acts chapter 20 as Paul says, listen, I've been doing this and now you, brothers, you need to continue faithful in your ministry by doing these things. So in essence, what we have in Acts chapter 20 is the first few In the first section there, as he addresses the elders, in verses 17 through 27, you have more of a declarative uh, statement. Paul is saying, this is what I have done. This is how I have set the example for you. Here's how I have served in ministry. He's pointing to the example, but in verse 28, he transitions to more of an imperative. Now, this is what you are to do. This is how you are to carry out your ministry. This is what an elder ought to do. And it's important that these brothers hear that, but it's also important that the church hears that, that the church understands exactly what they are called to do as well. And so I want us to look at that text today with that in mind. We know who they are based upon Timothy, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, but what are these brothers called to do in the context of a local church? Well, I want us to look at four things from this text as we consider that today, four things that we need to understand in Paul's instruction to the Ephesian elders Brothers, as you, Dave and Trey, as you consider your ministry, as you consider your ministry to this body of believers, uh, Paul makes some observations here that that you need to hear. Number one, the way I would summarize it is that you need to watch your own life. Notice in verse 28, he says, pay careful attention to who? Yourself. Pay pay careful attention to yourselves. Listen, leadership is... In any organization, you can even make this case in in secular organizations outside of the church, leadership is a major contributing factor to either its success or its failure. That's just a reality. As the leaders go, so does the organization. And that is certainly very important to understand in the context of a local church. The Bible has a lot to say about leadership. You can read in both the Old and New Testament. In fact, throughout the scripture, we have example after example of good leaders and not so good leaders, right? Ungodly, un- unfit leaders. You can go to the, uh, to the instruction of the, the shepherds, the bad shepherds of Israel there in Ezekiel and how they are being condemned for their, un- or for their lack of faithfulness, for their carelessness in caring for God's people at that time. You can see bad examples and learn from that, but you can also see good examples and expectations set forth in the scriptures. So when you think about that, church, having the right leaders is critical to the life and health of a local church. Having the, the right people in place, having the right people qualified as as having the right character is critical. Something I often see, and this is more for vocational pastors, I see it because a lot of times you'll see the classifieds. You can go to denominational websites and see these kinds of things. And, and it, it's often humorous to me. I understand what, what they're getting at is we want seven years of experience. We want uh, bachelors and masters of divinity and 20 years of experience. And, you know, they get very specific. And, and rarely do you see any reference to 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1. It's all about the job, it's all about. Experience. It's all about giftedness. Now granted, giftedness is critical. Experience is important, but character is priority. It is primary. A lot of times we will talk about the importance of, of character, and we'll look at these passages when we're, when we're considering and calling men to serve in this role, and, and we, we want to be looked carefully at that. But friends, that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop when you are put into that position. It's not as if you are to live in a certain way so that you can get into this leadership role and then, okay, all is well. Paul is addressing the elders serving already at Ephesus and he's saying to them, pay careful attention to yourselves. Again, it's important that we have a clear understanding of who we call to this role. In summary, we could say it's those Those men whose life is above reproach. Those who model a righteous life. We see it again repeated in 1 Timothy chapter 4, this same call to pay attention to yourself. Paul says to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Your own personal walk your own personal pursuit of holiness has a direct impact on the body of Christ. Good or bad. John Owen, in speaking about a minister or a pastor, elder, said this, a minister may fill his pews, seats, his communion role, the mouths of the public, but what a minister is on his knees in secret before God Almighty, that he is and no more. Charles Spurgeon, in a famous work that he wrote called Lectures to My Students, in the very first chapter, chapter entitled The Minister's Self-Watch, said this, The labor of the Christian ministry is Ministry is well-performed in exact proportion to the vigor of the renewed nature. And this is what he says. Our work is well done only when it is well with ourselves. Later on, he continues. He says, we are watched by a thousand eagle eyes. Let us so act that we shall never need care. If all heaven, all earth, and hell swelled, is swelling the list of spectators. Brothers, one of the most important things you can do as an elder in the ministry of the local church is to keep a close watch on yourself. The manner of how you conduct yourselves matters much. The pursuit of personal holiness or the lack of it will have a direct impact on the people of God. You know, I find it as a, as a pastor, I find it much easier, and I think this is true not just of people in leadership, Christians in general. It's, it's so much easier to examine other people, isn't it? It's, all, it's, it's so much easier to, to, to focus on the conduct of others, whether it's your spouse, your children, fellow church members. So much easier to focus on that all the while neglecting your own heart. And church, that is true for all of us, isn't it? It's so much easier to critique Someone else's failures. It's so much easier to focus on that log than it is the speck, isn't it? Friends, we should always examine ourselves and pay careful attention to our pursuit of Christian fruit and Christ-likeness. And it is especially important for an elder because as an elder, you are setting an example for others to follow. Church, the The standard is high for leaders. We know that leaders will be held to a stricter judgment. Teachers. I don't like quoting that verse, but it's true. And so church, as you think about that, as you think about the role of of an overseer, an elder, you have a unique responsibility to these brothers to come around them. These men, myself included, wrestle with the same struggles you do. We have the same temptations. You do. We, we raise families just like you do. We change diapers just like you have. Amen. We intervene when necessary. And those serving, especially as lay elders, like these brothers will be doing, Know what it's like to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. They know what it's like there in the engineering world or in the public school realm, dealing with people and families. These are—I love these men, but they're—they're they're not special in that they've been exempt from all of the struggles you have. They have the same struggles and yet are being called to serve you in a very special, unique way. So, so, church, you need to pray for these men regularly. You need to encourage these brothers faithfully. You need to, to follow their leadership in a, in a respectful way. And when there's disagreement, make that known in a loving manner. Pray for these men. As they seek to watch their own heart, you need to be praying that the Lord would continue His good work in them as they're praying for you the same. Brothers, you are called to watch yourself first and foremost, but number two, I want you to see this. Paul continues, pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock. So yes, you have a responsibility as elders to this flock, to to the people of God in this local church. You have a responsibility to these members, and brothers, these Responsibilities extend well beyond a podium like this. These responsibilities extend well beyond a small group or a discipling relationship. In his classic work called The Christian Ministry, Charles Bridges said this. He reminds us that every need in the church cannot be fully treated in the pulpit. And this is what he says. He writes, The indolent are slumbering, the self-dependent are falling back, the zealous are under the influence of spiritual pride, the earnest are becoming self-righteous, the regular formal. Then there is the inquirer asking for direction, the tempted and perplexed looking for support, the afflicted longing for the cheering consolation of the gospel, the convinced sinner from the slight healing of his wound settling into a delusive place. The professor having a name that he lives, but he is dead. These cases cannot, in all their minute and diversified forms, be fully treated in the pulpit or in a podium. That's why a plurality of elders, I think, is so critical to the life and health of a local church. While this certainly is a very critical, important ministry, what I'm doing this morning to the building of God's people, to the equipping of the saints. It is is certainly primary to who we are as the church. But it's not the only thing that we do. Shepherding the flock is continual work that must be pursued with the utmost diligence, with with the resolve and determination that only the grace of God can equip you with. Compassion. For those in your care. I want you to notice a few observations about the role of a shepherd from this text. As he calls the elders there to pay careful attention to the flock. Says in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Shepherds, number one, are to lovingly care for the flock. This term overseer points to the overall role of an elder. You, you're an overseer. It's, it's used synonymously here in the text. He's addressing the, the, the elders, to the Ephesian elders, right? Now he's calling them overseers. And so we see the interchange of the words, the, the, the common usage of the two words referring to the same office. But it speaks to the overall care for the people of God. Remember, remember this. Dave and Trey, as you, as you are being called to serve this body, as an overseer, you are not being called to be an overlord. This is not a call to a dictatorship. This is a call to servant leadership. Lovingly, generously giving your time and dedication to these people for their eternal good. And that, by the way, requires the, the importance of relationships. I love how, how several have written about about the role of a shepherd in the church. The shepherd ought to smell like sheep. Sometimes it gets smelly, but sometimes not so bad. You you should smell like sheep. Think about that. There's a great paradox for for a shepherd, an under-shepherd in the church, an elder. The great paradox is this, is that you are simultaneously a shepherd and a sheep. An overseer, yet a dependent member of this body. And so as you care for this body, you are not, in a a way you are being set apart for this ministry, but you are not something special that's above and beyond this ministry, but rather part of this ministry to help guide and lovingly care for these people. You should lovingly care for this flock. And the way that you develop love for one another is through through the relationships that you build. And I know I've seen Both Trey and Dave and their families just invest in people, new and old alike, as they lovingly demonstrate hospitality. Second reality that we see about shepherds is that shepherds are stewards, stewards of the flock. Listen, Paul says here, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of who? God, right? The church of God. Not talking about a denomination, we're talking about the people of God, right? Talking about the, the saints, the local gathered congregation. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church that belongs to God. So, Redeeming Grace Baptist Church is not your church, nor is it my church. It's the church that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is His blood that was shed for us bring us to himself. But yet God has given you and I the privilege of leading and shepherding this church. While we are called to be under shepherds let us never forget that there is the chief shepherd. The good shepherd. But he has called men like you to be under shepherds. This means you must must have the same care for the people of God for this flock that he has. That your hearts need to be in tune with the chief shepherd's heart. A significant part of this stewardship will involve faithfully teaching, exhorting, encouraging, and even rebuking. But friends, as stewards, as stewards, you need to remember that you will give an account to God. You will give an account for this role that the Lord is calling you to fill. And friends, that don't think you're off the hook All of us will give an account to the Lord. All of us will stand before God one day and give an account to Him as to how we serve the body of Christ. Certainly, overseers, elders will give a unique account held to a stricter judgment. they are a steward. This is God's church. We should treat it as such. Number three, shepherds protect the flock. Look at verses 29 through 31. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. The problem that Paul was foreseeing was that there would be those outside of the church that would come to seek to attack those inside the church. Fierce wolves were going to try to come and devour and destroy, but not only that, there would be those from within who would seek to bring harm to The flock. Brothers, you must always be on watch. In a work entitled The Minister as Shepherd, Charles Jefferson said this, referring to the the way that shepherds used to operate in, in some cases. He said the eastern shepherd was first of all a watchman. He had a watchtower. It was his business to keep a wide open eye, constantly searching the horizon for the possible approach of foes. He could not indulge in drowsiness, for the foe was always near There were many kinds of enemies, all of them terrible, each in a different way. Streams became quickly swollen. Then there were animals, lions, bears, hyenas, jackals, wolves. There were enemies in the air, huge birds of prey ready to swoop down upon a lamb. The most dangerous of all were human birds and beasts of prey, robbers, bandits, men who made a business of robbing sheepfolds and murdering shepherds. The eastern world was full of perils. Friends, while the eastern world certainly had its share of perils, the western world, the world today in which we live, is no different. While the challenges may be unique in its own context, in its own cultural settings, and in, in the ways that we see today in 2015, the point is this. There's an enemy, and the enemy wants the destruction of this flock. And as elders, you are called to protect this flock from the enemy. And that is a significant responsibility. We're called to keep the wolves and the birds of prey out and away. That involves warning the sheep, informing the sheep of lurking dangers and keeping the the birds of prey, the enemy, away. Friend, you must be always on watch. Watch. Quote Jefferson again, he continued, many a minister fails as a pastor or elder because he is not vigilant. He allows his church to be torn to pieces because he is half asleep. He took it for granted that there were no wolves, no birds of prey, no robbers, and while he was, and all the while he was drowsing, the enemy arrived. And shepherds protect the flock. But a third reality that we see watch yourself you're to shepherd the flock number three you're to study the word look at verse 32 and now i commend you to god and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified i love what alistair Begg said he 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 was talking about the role of an elder and he said leadership in the local church is a leadership by this book By this book, if an elder is going to effectively look after the church, shepherd the church, protect the church from error, then an elder must be a man who is a regular student of the Scriptures. In Acts chapter 6, remember that as as the apostles were struggling with the the weight of ministry and there was a a conflict going on among the widows, the Greek-speaking widows and the Hebrew widows, and so they called men to come alongside to help deal with the conflict, and the prototype deacon there was, was put into place. But it was so that the apostles at that time, the, what would we call now the shepherds, could devote their attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Elder ministry is a Word-centered ministry. The primary qualification that distinguishes elders from deacons is that elders must be able to teach apt to teach. This means you must be able to understand the Scripture and able to help others learn and be encouraged in the Scriptures. Now let me make this clear to the church. It does not mean that every elder will preach or has to preach. It doesn't mean that to be an elder you have to attend seminary, although that can be helpful. But it does mean that you must be able to instruct and guide others in the truth. It means that you should be regularly involved in the teaching ministry of the church in some capacity. There will be some elders with preaching gifts. There will be others that are more gifted in facilitating a small group. Others more gifted and competent as counselors. Others more gifted and able to disciple one-on-one, encouraging Christians in their walk with Christ. Whatever context, the the point is that they're able, they're apt to take the Scripture and to help people in the Scripture to understand its meaning and to apply it to their lives, whether in a formal setting like this or over coffee on Thursday. Elders must be competent in the Word, not experts, but competent. Your study of God's Word and your growth in the Scriptures, friend, will never cease. And that is a good thing. It's good for the church because it means you're always growing in the Word, always swimming in the Scriptures so that you can more faithfully, more accurately, shepherd these brothers and sisters under your care. And have no fear these will be reading men because I always have, already have their reading plan out. These are men of the word. It's foundational to the role of an elder. You can't be an elder and not be a man of the word. And then, number four, you should examine your motive. Verse 33 and following, especially you see it in verse 33, Paul says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. When you consider the role that God has called you to, Dave and Trey, you are not called to serve this church out of self interest. This church is God's church. This church is the saints of, of, of God that He has called, that He's purchased with the blood of His own Son, and that He has called to be His people. And you are called to serve this people, not for your own sake, but for the glory of God and for their eternal good. The ministry of, of an elder, the, the, uh, of an overseer or shepherd is not one where, where, where you're coveting prestige or, or, or someone's silver or gold. The love of money, the love of fame should never be the motive of a shepherd. And yet we see examples all the time, don't we? Of People who are serving in these capacities, especially in the health, wealth, gospel movement. that that's all they're about. Friend, we are called to care for the flock, not for what we gain, but for what the flock gains out of your leadership. Now, yet yeah, you will gain much. There is much joy. There is much encouragement that you will gain as a shepherd of this sheep. But friend, you are called first and foremost to serve them for their good, not for your own. It is a selfless ministry, not a selfish ministry. And it is good for you and for me to regularly examine your heart and motive before God as to why you are serving in this capacity. Again, he's speaking to to those serving in elder ministry here, and he's reminding them that through his own example that you can't have a wrong motive. You have to continually check your heart, check your motives as an elder. Well, as you consider the things in which Paul unpacks to the elders at Ephesus, I would pray and remind you that these same things are true for you and for me. You're to watch yourself, watch yourself, examine yourself, keep a close watch on yourself. You're to shepherd the flock with love and with compassion, knowing you're a steward. You're to protect. You're to be men of the Word, you're to examine the Scriptures regularly, you're to study the Word of God regularly so you can serve the people of God, the, the food of His Word for their own good. You have to always remind yourself of the motive in which you serve. You know, a text that's often referred to when it comes to the role of leaders in the church and certainly applicable to the role of an elder is Hebrews thirteen seventeen. It's always somewhat awkward to quote this as a pastor, but this is what the text says. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The writer of Hebrews is helping the people of God, the church, to understand that there is a relationship that exists in the body of Christ with the sheep and the shepherd, with the leaders that are set apart. Yes, they are to lead, and yes, there is a respect for that leadership that ought to be in place, but listen, I think the emphasis is not so much on the obedience and the submission while that is there, but it's for your own good, and and it's for, for your benefit. While that's clearly a word to the church to recognize and respect their leaders, I want you to notice, Trey and Dave, I want you to notice what's nestled in in this passage. It says, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Dave and Trey, there will be a day when you will give account to God. For this church, for its advance in grace, for its spiritual health, for its well-being, you and I will stand not together but individually before God and give account to him for how we cared for these people. And that is no light thing to consider. So as you consider that day, as you consider that day of standing before the Lord Jesus, to give account of how you cared for his people. May you live in light of that day as those who do exactly as Paul instructed here in this passage. You will give an account. You you are responsible. I am responsible for this flock. Yes, everyone will stand before God and give an account. And there is a level of responsibility that all of you have for your own spiritual growth for your own advance in godliness, for your own sanctification. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, there's a responsibility that you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would be faithful to proclaim that gospel to you is certainly our responsibility. That you would trust in Him, believe in Him, embrace Him as Savior and Lord of your life. But there is a special responsibility that that, that the elders will have. You will stand in judgment on that day and give account. Let's do so. Let's serve this church. Let's serve this church in a way that would be for its spiritual good. And brothers, as you consider your role, may you give yourself, as you have, may you continue to give yourself in a way that will be for the building up of this body, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, and ultimately for the glory of God, who loves His church so much that He gave His Son to be its Savior. And church. May you serve these brothers. With care. With faithfulness as you pray for them. As you encourage them in their ministry. Listen. These are not perfect men. Pastors aren't perfect. Elders aren't perfect. Shepherds aren't perfect. We need your prayers. We need your support. We need your encouragement. So I would urge you in that way, to care for these brothers prayerfully. D.A. Carson put it this way. He said, the most remarkable thing about the characteristics of an elder is that there is nothing remarkable about them. As shepherds, we are sheep. We are sheep. We are all called to a life of righteousness and faithfulness. Friends, as you consider this role of this office, it is unique because you will give account not just for yourself, but for the people under your care. Let's pray together. Father, it is with joy and gratitude that we come to this moment today to recognize these brothers, to set apart these brothers for elder ministry. And Lord, it's at this time that we want to to come around them and support them and encourage them, but Lord, to be reminded that that this is a high calling, it's a significant calling, it's something that, that we don't take lightly. And so Lord, I would ask that you would lead these men as they serve this church, but Lord, that you would lead this church as they serve these men, that we would be a family of believers, that we would be a family that, that works in, in glorious concert together as the people of God. Lord, I see the calling of elders as a gift to your church. And so, Lord, as this church has been blessed with these gifts, Lord, would you continue your good work here? Would you continue to strengthen and build your people, equip them and serve them in ways that they need so that they could reflect the character, so that we all together could reflect more and more the character of our Lord Jesus Christ? God, help us as we move forward together as a church, as a new church in this community, that we would continue to bring you much glory in how we love one another, how we serve one another, how we care for one another, but Lord, also how we demonstrate to a watching world your glory. Lord, thank you for this word that we've heard this morning. I pray that you would use it in the life of this church in ways that we will see for many years to come. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.